0: Okay, good morning, everyone. We had a little text before, but we're going to jump right into it. Uh, as I said to these wonderful folks here, I want to touch on something that once in a while I tend to speak about, and uh, that when I do, it can it has sometimes big effect. So I want to say to the people listening online as well, that this it's up to you how far in you want to let this. But I, I give you my, my word that in nine years of this and more doing counseling with folks, um, this has, has real potential to... To set the captives free was Bruce's prayer today, so we're going to look at one story today and go from it. We're going to go look at an Old Testament and pull wisdom out of it, some healing wisdom so let's uh, let's check out our scripture. I think it's a big one. I'll read it to you, so don't worry if you can't see it Genesis 3: seven who wrote the book of Genesis? anybody know? Just some fun stuff. Moses is said to have penned the book of Genesis after God dictated it to him on Mount Sinai, right Now cool. How could, how could anybody have known creation? Well, God was there, and he uh, told Moses. And Moses wrote it down, probably in Hebrew. Then the, then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened after they did what they did. And they realized that at that one point they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So let's stay on that slide. Now, I've said this before, and for years I said, what does God sound like walking in the garden? And I would say, does he sound like electricity? Does he sound like fire? Does he sound like a T-Rex? And then one day, we did some study, and he might just have sounded like this. Because it might well have been the word of God that came to them. It might well have been Jesus in the garden that was speaking to them. And I went into the, the cool of the day. They said, well, that was winds, blah, blah, blah. But if Jesus is the capital w word of god and pretty much every time god speaks that's jesus then how do we know yeshua wasn't in the garden with them he wasn't created in bethlehem he was he was in existence at this time so was it him who was walking with adam and eve you deal with that because there's great possibility that it actually was jesus truly and uh the more you go through the old testament you'll see who was it that shows up and tells uh, Joshua to walk around the walls well whoever it was demanded worship hmm. who was it that spoke through the burning bush and said take off your sandals Moses this here is holy ground because I'm here and you start to see that Jesus is actually pre-incarnate I mean not not born right what is, it? what is it not created but begotten is that what they say in other words this very well could have been Jesus it could have been not it could have been uh, where are you where are you? And I want to tell you this before we move on. God very rarely asks you questions so He can fact find, because He already knows everything. He's asking you questions because that's what you need to know. And what state are you in, my children? And what state are you in, kids? And actually, you know what a question from God does? This is preaching already. It, it offers us opportunity, right? Merciful, loving Jesus is in the garden. This is AJ's speculation. Have your own opinions. That's fine. That's your job, in fact. Don't listen to knuckleheads like me. Where are you, he says, and there presents an opportunity. In what state are you in, my children? But here's the problem. I'm going I'm to rephrase that a little bit and say this. I'm going to say, uh, I was naked, so I got afraid, and I hid. Where are you? Naked, afraid, and hiding. And I want to propose to you today that all of us can easily fall into this pattern And I even want to say maybe it's our natural reaction to some things that God wants to lead us out of this. And the big word we're going to talk about today in some ways is shame. But I see this in my children already. That's how I know, like, you're not evil, okay? You're no more evil than any other human, of course, by the nature inside of us. But remember I told you for a while, he gets, they both get tablet time in the morning when I'm cooking them breakfast, maybe. It's been educational TV since then, but I'm not going to be that parent. So he got this transformer game. I, I share this, <laughs> I shared this before I know I did. So in the Transformer game, you can go from the scrub Transformers to like the good Transformers. And I've been a Transformers fan since I was a child, so this matters to me. I don't want you like anybody getting me on this one. Go with Bumblebee and the other ones, but but save your money, save your coins up for the big for the big Transformer, right, buddy? I mean, don't you want Optimus Prime? Yeah. Okay. Well then, don't buy the swaggy Transformers. Buy the good ones. Just wait, okay? Okay, buddy. I mean, trust me, that's what's best for you. I promise. <laughs> So next thing you know, I'm walking through the living room a day or two later, and I see him hiding the tablet. <laughs> like, like I'm walking through here, and he keeps it like this the whole time. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, my spidey senses tingle. I'm like, what you doing, boy? Huh? I'm like, what are you doing? And I walk over to him. I'm like, let me see. And sure enough, he had bought the schwaggy Transformers. And it's not like a, a sinner or a whatever. But I was like, dude, I thought we agreed that you I th- I thought we were going to save up for, trans- for Energon Prime. Right? He's ashamed of what he did, so he hides it from me, right? And that's not even a big infraction. But you notice I didn't have to teach him that. Your kids ever hide anything from you? We'll see. Exactly. Something happened where I start to feel a certain way about myself and what I did, so I hid from you. And I'm giving my whole message away here, but it creates a very dangerous pattern. Let's look at a picture. I'm gonna get a little counselee today, but I'm not gonna apologize. There. <laughs> It's a shame fear, and shame, fear, and control stronghold becomes a loop. I'll look at that for two seconds. Let me. Uh... Shame says this. Shame lies to us about who we are. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, and this. And it leads us to fear because we don't want people to discover it. Let's be honest. Or we don't want to think about it. So shame leads to fear. And then fear leads to control because control wants to control the situation so other people don't find out about it, and we end up on this loop. And it, uh, it, it it's it's very damaging. Now we can acknowledge the loop, and some of us can even say it's very familiar. I can. What starts the loop though is the same thing every time. It's lies about who we are. Now this is difficult because it seems that who we are and our identities our identities can be really hard to touch. But let me, uh, let me focus on something here. Um, when I'm talking about shame, I want to say this to you. You can do dumb things, hurtful things, sinful things, break law things. But do you know that what you do is not ever supposed to actually define you? I want you to think about that for a second. The things you do... You can regret them. You can be embarrassed. You can feel a, a hint of, I'm ashamed about this. But you know that it's never supposed to define you? There's our problem. Because all of you are kind of looking at me. And I get that. I, I totally do. Shame, the, the thing about shame is it takes a regret and tries to indict the person, not the behavior. Do you follow that? For example, all of us have family members in a good family it's nice to have a safe place where you can disagree with what the person does without them thinking you hate them or disagree with them. Do you understand that? Our society is so full of crap right now where if you disagree with someone means you hate them or are being intolerant. What? No, I just disagree with you. Do you understand? I know we're just this little place with this little media thing, but that could really help our country right now. I can disagree with you and still love you. I can disagree with you and not be hateful. I just don't like the crap you're doing, and that needs to be okay. The problem with this agenda, and I'm not going to get political. I'm not. But the problem with this agenda where you can't disagree with people is that it's teaching us that our behaviors do define us. Do you understand that? Because if you can't disagree with how I treat my wife, let's say. Let's say I'm abusive toward my wife. And, and, and you're not allowed to say, I think that's wrong because then you're, you know, you're hateful toward me. The problem is now that behavior becomes a part of my identity. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I said, if you, you can't separate the behavior from me. Well, here's the problem. We all have crappy behavior that now we're just going to naturally, and our, even our kids are going to go, that's part of who I am. Because nobody else can separate my behavior from who I am and criticize me. So my behavior must be who I am. Does that make sense? And it's a lie from the pit of hell that will get you on a shame, fear, and control cycle. Do you understand that? How about this? Someone who struggles with addiction to cope with their realities. And we call them and label them a drunk, let's say. Now you didn't just say your behavior is a little bit wonky from where you want to be. Or even sinful. I don't care. Call it what you want. But now this person is this thing? Oh. I'll tell you another story about my kids. So Izzy's the mouthy one. She's more like me. And uh, Alex is the rule follower. She's four and he's six. And I found her the other day, quietly, quietly, calling him a dumbhead. (laughs) Don't you mention that dumbhead. (laughs) Like it's a bad word, right? But I saw an opportunity. (coughs) I saw an opportunity about dumbhead. And I sat next to her, and this is one of those, um, (laughs) it's a good parenting moment. I've got plenty of bad ones. But it was one of those moments where I I could see I had a real opportunity. So I literally sat down next to him in the hallway, and I said, hey, you just called him a dumbhead? She said, yeah, and? And I'm like, well, here's the thing. You didn't make him, did you? She goes, no. I said, so why do you think you can name him? I said, I I helped create him. I named him Alexander. Because you can only name what you create. I said, so... Calling him a dumbhead, you're calling him stupid. You're calling him dumb, but can you give him that name and that title? And has he really got it as a four-year-old? She's like, I guess not. So right, if you make something, call it that. That brick, that stack of bricks, call it what you want. But unless you name it, don't give it a label. Okay? She's like, all right. But isn't that what we do? Worse even than other people, we do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves. Some of you in here speak to yourselves in a way you would never talk to anybody else. You're such a dummy. You're such a loser. You're such a, I mean, I could say words right now that you don't want to hear in public, but you say them in your head about you? I was naked, I was afraid, so I hid. Shame, fear, and control is deadly. When the things you do get to define you or the people around you, we've got a real big problem. So let's keep going here. I've said this years ago. What you believe about you will determine your destiny. And that sounds like some Joel Osteen crap, but it's true. (laughs) Sorry. Um, It's true. What you believe about you will either raise your limitations or lower your limitations. Does that make sense? What you believe about you. And we see it right here. Um, I want to show, I want to zoom in on the, uh, on the, um, on the lie portion of all this. Let's go back a slide. I want to show you something. I want to show you what you believe about you. I want to show you the power of this. Okay, yeah, so he says, in what state are you in, he says. And they say, I I was naked afraid, so I hid. Now let's jump ahead to, I'm sorry, Brian, I just wanted to refresh on that. So let's go to the next one that we're supposed to. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to go back a little bit and show you something. Show you what was going on in maybe Eve's heart here. Ready, ready? The serpent says, which actually is better translated into shining one, by the way. Go look at that word in Hebrew. It doesn't really connote snake. Truly, it connotes shining one. So the shining one who was in the garden every day, so it wasn't a huge surprise, I could go off on that. God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Time out. God doesn't want good things for you. He's holding out on you. Listen, you're waiting right now. You're waiting for that job, spouse, whatever it is. God doesn't want good things for you, okay? You can go get it on your own. That's all. That's all he's saying. He's not good. So the woman saw the fruit of the tree and it looked good into her estimation. It looked like the right thing to do for her. What was make her happy? And so she took some and she ate, and she um, gave some her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Next, please or no? Yes or no? Okay. Watch. When you open your eyes, when you eat of it, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You follow me? So here's what I speculate. Just listen. So here's the hard part about the things that God says out. God says is out of bounds. It always looks so much more enticing and better before you give in to it. Does that make sense? There's a plant, not the Venus flytrap. I forget what it's called. It's got this like really beautiful petal, but it's lined with nectar, and it's got just the right angle where flies will get on it, and they get the nectar on their their you know they get them on their their arms and stuff, and they start. But by the time they even realize what's happening they've already slid so far down in it that they can't get themselves out again this apple looks so good and so pleasing and all these things in our lives stop thinking in terms of sin and law the law is still in the grave when Jesus came out all things are permissible now guys go look that up but a loving dad says I know that looks good man it's not going to give you what you think it's going to give you do you get that Man, we do well to redefine sin and take it out of church and just be like, you know what I mean? Common sense about this loving father. So, so she looks at this apple and says, it's going to be great. You're going to know good and evil. She eats the apple. Now, here's my speculation. Eats the apple. The knowledge of good and evil is unlocked. And she goes, wait a minute. I just did something evil. I'm evil now. Do you see that? And there's our first birth of shame. I did something bad. I must be bad. Isn't that something? And so what did she do? I showed you this, the, the mode. I, I realize I'm bad, so now I'm fearful because guess what? I know that you're good. Many of us in this room and many of us over here are doing that same darn thing. We understand we've done, man, I'm going to swear today. We've done bad things, Okay. Call it what it is. Hard things, difficult things. And we know God is good. And then you're like, no. Obviously, if I've done bad things and you're good, I got to stay over here. I'm bad. But you remember what I told you? I showed you? What did God say? Where are you? In what state are you in? I'm in a state beyond control. I did something that is bigger than me. I need your help, Dad. And that's what Jesus, I believe, in the garden was doing. What state are you in? Listen, with your behavior, you can do one of two things. There's really only two choices, as I'm thinking about it right now. You can run, and you can believe the lies of shame. Or you can look at me. Now, we just sang the old rugged cross, right? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Because anything that could take and change your identity, Jesus nailed it to a cross. Because all the stuff you did bad that you think makes you bad, it's on a, on a, on a scarlet stained cross in Calvary. Does that make sense? So now you people, literally on this side of the cross, in me, when, when we, when we, when we, when we miss the mark, when we break the rules, when we disobey and go our own way, it's going to happen. You're human. Get over it. We have two choices now, though. You don't need to go the way of shame, fear, and control. You can literally say, turn right to God and say, this does not change who I am. It's bad. Heck yeah. Let's talk about it. But I'm not bad. Does that make sense? Worse still, some people in this room and some people online are carrying shame for some of the stuff other people have done to them. Because they believe the lie that something could ever change their value or who they are. And can I tell you, I have very rarely seen people get free faster and change when they realize this and God touches this area of their life. You're not bad for what was done to you or what you've done. You just are. You're a traveler going through this world. You're a blood-bought, born-again, son of God, daughter of God. You're clean. Walk cleanly. Walk as though you're clean, man. Or do you need me to pull up our all-star list? Moses, the all-star murderer; David, the all-star murderer, philanderer; Solomon, the wisest man in the world, pimping, pimping, (laughs) pimping. What? It's true. What do you want from? What do you want? The only one that you're going to see that's clean and acts the way the standard you're holding is Jesus Christ. And yet you carry shame. He carried your shame. He absolutely carried your shame. So let me, what if I told you that my shame for years, I carried, I carried shame. I know that. And I believed lies about myself and I I went into action. That's the control portion of it all. Some of your actions is staying away from God. That's the action you're in. Your shame and fear are leading you to staying away from God, leaving, leaving him as someone else, because I don't, I don't want to get near that. Now I'm gonna show you what my shame did to me. Can I show, can you do a picture of skinnier, younger, better looking AJ. So that's me, that's Ian, that's Steve, and Davey's on the drums. That's us at the Cavern Club in Liverpool, England. Um, you look at that picture and you think it'd be amazing. We made it to there. We headlined where the Beatles became famous. On the back, you'll see the Beatles wall. And the, the bar staff there, we got to be close to them in a month because we were on a tour in Liverpool, and they asked us to sign the wall. So you go there today, you'll see my name on that wall. Wow, wow, wow. No, you know what I see? I see a guy who's fully in his control phase. Because I haven't played music besides here in years, maybe a decade. And my old manager and my old musicians and people, they call me up. My British friends will call me up. What are you doing, man? I don't know, dude. I don't don't play music anymore. What do you don't play music anymore? Well, I realized I was doing it to be somebody. I was doing it to try to control the fact that I felt terrible about myself. And not in a Dr. Phil way. I'm talking I didn't feel good enough and worthy of, of, you know, affection and love. I didn't feel like there was anywhere I truly belonged on this planet. I had some sort of root of shame inside of me, which I'm not going to get into because none of y'all's business. But what did I do? I I went into action. And sometimes naked and afraid so I hid doesn't mean hiding from everybody. Sometimes it means putting on an identity that's not truly you. Does that make sense? So here I am playing, you know, the lead singer of a band. But all I'm asking people is, am I enough? Because I don't feel like enough, and I've bought that lie. I'm not enough. I've done things, uh, I'm, I'm riddled with regrets. I've been rejected in my life, I've been abandoned in my life. And so I need to set out, and my, my life's goal is to find, am I enough? And you know what's funny is once I got set free of that through this sort of stuff here, I don't need it anymore. I don't need to do those things anymore. If I worship up here, if I'm at home singing, I'm doing them for me now. Do you understand that? I don't need to be in action trying to hide my true self so nobody sees. I thank God every day for that, man. Maybe someday I'll play music and enjoy it again, but that's not today. It's just not. It's something I did for a, a sinister motive inside of me trying to fulfill something. Let's look at Romans 12.1. Y'all know this. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, everybody else does this crap, first line. Everybody you know does this. They get on this pattern of, am I enough? What defines me? Am I accepted? But you can be transformed, like Optimus Prime, who's one thing, transforms into another, right? You can be transformed by thinking differently, by having a renewing of your mind. And hold on. I didn't say try harder. It just says be transformed, as blurry as that is. Jeez Louise be transformed can i tell you this just by hearing the truth of christ jesus today you all can sense that it's touching on some areas of your life that if you hang in you'll just be transformed does anybody ever notice that that changes in your life that really stick they're not when you knuckled up and worked hard right bruce they're when you embraced a truth and rejected a lie that's the last part of the message i gotta kick it into gear here just be transformed you can keep doing it the way everybody else does. Naked, ashamed, hiding. What do you think these celebrities are doing? Let's cut the crap for a second. Spo- how many times have I said crap today? Let's slice the poo today, guys. I got five different ways to say it. Um, no, but let's, let's reject the lie for a second. We look at these people and even high-end athletes and things like this, and there are shining trophies. But, man, how come none of them can keep a marriage together and be happy? How come? You know what I'm trying to say? Why is it always ebbs and flows? Why is it always just a matter of time till you see their face in the tabloids? Because they're looking for something, aren't they? Everybody's looking for something, trying to fulfill themselves because they're naked and afraid, so they're hiding somewhere, right? Oh, guys. Well, we can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test what's good, man. Then you can test what's good. Don't be beat up by this. Okay, I got to really fly here next one please i'm gonna show you something everybody knows but i want to show it to you again this is the uh you're gonna call it the self-fulfilling prophecy but that's such a cheap way to call it i believe at the top that i am not enough i believe that no one's gonna care about me no one truly believes in me so that's gonna influence what i expect from this world and the people around me if i'm not enough and nobody likes me then i my expectations are gonna be low So that's going to influence what I do. I don't go talk to people. I don't go for the promotion. I don't do those things. So my behavior changes. And then that influences the results. I don't get the new job. I don't have any new friends. And all that does is reinforce the fact that I'm a piece of trash that doesn't deserve these things. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing. It's shame, fear, and control. Shame is one of the most insidious, diabolical things that every single one of us carries. And Bruce always mentions what Jesus said about Isaiah, which is I came to set the captives free. Some of us in this room, I would say the majority of us are in the prison of shame in one area or another in our lives. So let me get to the remedy and then let's go home. I said before about be transformed. It doesn't mean transform yourself. It doesn't do that. How do I get off the cycle of shame? Because I truly believe these things. Let uh, Let me make sure everybody's on the same page here. I'm going, to, I'm going to read some things off and I want you to mentally just check the box mentally if you can uh, agree with or any of these things resonate inside of you. Some of these, here are some of the shame voices. I'm a burden, failure. I'm a liar. I'm a loser. I'm a mistake. I'm codependent. I'm frigid. I'm compulsive. I'm controlling. I'm defective, fearful. I'm overly sensitive. I'm impassive. I'm passive. I'm impure. I'm inadequate. I'm insecure. I'm jealous, stupid, ugly, useless, invisible, That's just some unimportant, unlovable, worthless. I am to blame. I am guilty. Those are not facts. Those are not opinions. Those are the voices of shame. Do you understand it? It's absolutely true. So, now, what do we do? How do we get off this? I've convinced you it exists. The whole idea of being transformed is this you turn and face the voice of shame and call it what it is. Because until today, you thought it was your voice. And you thought it was just who I am and how I am. So did Eve. The lie had convinced her that this is just who I am. I'm I'm bad. And so I'm going to hide from you, God. You know the way you get off the cycle of shame is you turn and face those voices. Nobody gets to define you. And if you're a Christ follower, dude, you know who gets to define you? God. God and only God. So let's push pause for a second. Now, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I was going to do the churchy thing. I was. Show me Psalms, right? But see, this doesn't... And please don't call me a heretic here, but I've heard a thousand of these messages, but it doesn't doesn't help. I want to say to you, oh, you feel like this and this, but God says I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Well, you know what? Every time I heard that, I went home still feeling like crap. Crap again, geez still feeling bad, bad, poorly. And you want to know why I think that is? Now, again, please hold me to the fire on this one. Who am I? I think that shame doesn't live in your spirit. I think shame lives in your mind. And sometimes, and I get it. I I know how powerful the Word of God is. I've got stories I don't even share up here. But I I tend to think this. I tend to think that God just said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means you need to think think differently than you do so for me just showing you a scripture i don't think changes the way we think do you understand what i'm saying does that make sense it touches a different part of us in other words my spirit is not ashamed but my mind is at 10 o'clock at night when i'm trying to go to bed and then i can use a spiritual antidote for something in my mind but it doesn't click sometimes does that make sense we're a triune being don't deny that mind body and spirit and so something tells me that for a discipline problem in your brain and in your mind you might just need some discipline training in your brain does that make sense so lord forgive me that i'm not going to just do the pithy church thing and send them home here's what i'm going to do instead and then we'll close up i got through half of my message today which is cool i'm just going to tell you my story and then we'll go home I started, number one, I started to recognize what I mentioned earlier, that those thoughts were not just the way it is. They're not just how I feel about me. I started to recognize that they were shame. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's a good, here's a good measuring stick. When you talk to yourself in your brain, if you say you are or I am, record what you say. And if it's not a thought that a loving father would have over you, then it's the voice of shame. Do you understand that? It's like in a marriage when I say this. Here's a good marriage rule. Don't ever say always or never because you're a liar. Don't ever say, you never take out the trash. October 4th, 1997. <laughs> I win because you said never and I did it. Does that make sense? It's a road to a dead end. You never say nice things. Or you always slam the door. Right? Don't Stop slamming the door. Boom. Conversation over. Just cut out never and always. Just cut it out, I promise. And start your conversations with I feel. I feel like I'm the one always doing chores. The guy can't say to you, the girl can't say to you, no you don't. It's the way you feel. Does that make sense? That's for free, take it and go. It's good (laughs) marriage advice. But it's the same thing inside of you. If you say I am or you are to yourself, stop and be very careful what comes out of your little mouth. When I changed that and started focusing on that, that's all I'm doing, that's all I'm saying. It's creating a discipline of being transformed by the renewing of my mind, renewing of my mind, which is this. I don't have the authority to talk to me like that. Right? That's how we get off the treadmill. Brenda, does that make sense? Okay. And this is just going to take a little time, but do you you understand what the whole be transformed thing is? All I'm going to say to you is this. This week, record what you say to yourself about you. That's it. Don't try to grind it out because that's you but just knowing this will open the spiritual opportunity i believe for god to start pouring in his thoughts for you does that make sense i still do it when i do something stupid i still want to say oh you're such a dummy or what an idiot i still i still but can i tell you that i've i've cultivated the discipline where that that doesn't just land anymore it might hit but i'll go whoa whoa, whoa. don't say that it's changed it's changed i'm off that treadmill for the most part now i'd say Some areas I'm still working, but not. So that's it for today, guys. I want you to pay attention to how you talk to you. I want you to, to recognize whether or not you're on the shame, fear, and control cycle. We didn't even talk about fear and control. Maybe next week we will, I don't know. But if you can sift out that voice of shame from the rest of your thoughts, God can step in and remove that. Amen? All right, let's sing a song together. Thanks for joining us online.